Welcome to the Zoe Now Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Lizzie. And we are so glad you're here. Today, the word that the Lord has brought me is the word Jesus alone. That's the title of my message, Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. I like what Stephen was saying today. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's not going to let you down. You're not going to be disappointed. Get a little taste. Get a little flavor of what God is like, of what he's truly like, of what he, who he truly is. You will not be disappointed. You know, I've, uh, I've been on diets before where you start to detox a little bit. You start to purge the sugar, the salt, the fat out of your diet. And when you do that, it could actually cause you to get sick. You regress. You take a few steps back before you take a step forward, right? And you, you start eating healthy shakes and you're actually throwing up. And you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's what the Word of God is like and His unconditional love for us. The Spirit of God, when He's real in our lives, sometimes it could be, actually be a negative reaction because you've got some detox to do. God is good, but you've got to get to this point where, okay, I need to bring myself around to where I'm able to receive it because it's that good, but I've got some detoxing to do. Amen? So God brought this scripture to me in Proverbs 13, verse 8. It says, the ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor pays no attention to a threat. And this passage hit me because there's many in the body of Christ, including myself, God convicted me of this. He says, you know what? There's many Christians that are in that first category. The ransom of a man's life is his riches. And they're saying, Lord, bail me out. Lord, ransom me. I've got some things that, that the enemy has taken away. I've got some things that, that I, I've got some heartbreaks. I've got some, some trials. I've got some things that I'm going through, and I need you to ransom me. But the poor man pays no attention to any threats. In other words, the man who's lost everything already, he, he's like, I got nothing to lose. You can't hurt me. I've walked away from it all. I've forsaken it. And you see, we look at Jesus' call to, to take up our cross and follow him to, to be crucified, to forsake everything. And we look at that as a negative thing, like, oh boy, that's hard. You know, I would do that, Jesus, honestly, but that's hard to do. You're looking at it the wrong way. That's part of the detox process. Okay? You're looking at it the wrong way because if Jesus is your everything, if you've forsaken everything, like many of the apostles did, they forsook everything and they did it gladly because they see that, hey, when I, when I go to follow Jesus and I'm dragging along with me all of these expectations and all of these all of these idols and crutches, emotional crutches that I think are going to help me out. 
But in the long run, they're hindering. Just psychologically speaking alone, you need a clean slate. You can't serve two masters. Because eventually one of them will be turning, you'll be turning against one somewhere along the line. Now there's this uh, scripture, can we bring that up? Matthew chapter, uh, what is it? Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 4. How many of you believe that there's commodities that we have in this world? I got my, my house, I got my job, I got, you know, my health, I got all these blessings of the Lord. But spiritual commodities are different. In heaven, things are different. There's, there's different commodities, things of value in the spirit realm, in heaven, do you know what I'm saying? And so we say things like, hey, my, my, my life is messed up because of X, Y, Z. I've got, a, got some kind of problem. Or on the other end of the spectrum, my life is really great. I've got the victory. I've got so much peace because I've got this. I've got this breakthrough. I've got my health. I've got all these good things. And those things are good in and of themselves. But what happens when you take those things away? Is your peace gone? Is your victory gone? You see, having a bad thing in your life that's messing you up, my life is bad because of X, Y, Z, that may be a bad thing, but that doesn't necessarily correspond to, the, to heaven's commodities of being a lack of commodities in heaven. Because if that thing, that lack is driving you to Jesus, then it is a commodity. And in the same way, if you've got something that's really good, you've got a lot of worldly wealth and blessings and success, and those things are actually just crutches, that if you take them away, your peace is gone, your victory is gone. Those things don't necessarily transfer over into the commodities of heaven. They don't necessarily transfer over to the spirit realm. And God wants us to take a look and see what's, going, what's really going on here. What's truly valuable. Because all these things that we're carrying along with us in the long run, you know, God God's wants you to be blessed. He's all for you having good things. He wants good things for his children. He just doesn't want them to have you. Okay? So anything, whether good or bad, if it's a hindrance to Jesus and Jesus alone. See, if I have Jesus, I have everything. I have everything. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also freely with him give us all things? I want to take that one step higher here and say, if I have Jesus, I have everything. He's already given me everything with Jesus and Jesus alone. 
So Matthew 25, verses 1 through 4. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Later on, the bridegroom comes, and it was later than they thought. You guys know how the story goes. There was five wise and there was five foolish. And they would have all been the same if that bridegroom was punctual. (laughs) But the problem is, is that he was late. I want you to notice the whole central part of that plot is that the bridegroom ended up being longer than they expected. And there was a group of them that said, hey, I'm willing to meet you halfway here. Okay, I'm willing to go to 9 or 10 o'clock, but if it gets too late, all bets are off. I'm out of this, okay? But there was the 10 that said, hey, it ain't even about that. I'm hungry. I want to see the bridegroom. I don't care how late. I I don't care if it's 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And I'm not going to get bitter and say, well, I kept up my end. You know, this this is a picture of how Christians can be. I kept up my end, but you were late. (laughs) And there could be this this bitterness that enters in, where they've carried along their expectations. I'm looking for somebody that's hungry, okay? I'm looking for somebody that says, hey, Jesus, I must meet you. I must meet you. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long you are. I want you. I must be there and be ready when you come. Praise the Lord. I want to turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. How am I doing on time here? Oh, I'm doing good. You guys are going to be so blessed once Liz gets up here, when she gets this mic. I almost didn't come up at all. I was like, Liz, you got this. You got this. But she was like, give him a word, Rob. Okay, I'll give him a word. God's got something. God's got something for you here. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm more interested in the spirit. I'm more interested in heaven, okay? And what God's doing in the spirit. Okay? Luke 22 Verse 31 through 32, Peter was an apostle that God was working on, and he had a little ways to go, okay? Look at what he says, and the Lord said, verse 31, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith 
should fail not. And then when you have returned to me, strengthened your brethren. I want you to notice, of all the things that Jesus could have prayed for him, I mean, this is not really good news. Hey, Satan's going to sift you like wheat. How's that sound, Peter? But I prayed for you. And I want you to notice something. He didn't pray for him. He didn't say, I prayed that Satan wouldn't be able to sift you like wheat. I prayed that you'd just go on. Everything would be just wonderful and hunky-dory and peachy keen. And you would never have any trials. You would never have any tests. That you would never go through anything hard in your life. Instead, what he prayed, listen to what he prayed. He says, this is key. He says, I prayed that your faith would fail not. It's like God is saying, hey, don't tell me what you're going through. Tell me what you believe about what you're going through. That's way more important. Not that God doesn't care what you're going through. He cares about what you're going through. But a hundred times more important is what do you believe about what you're going through? What do you say about it? What do you speak about it? How does it hit you in your heart? See, there's God's words. This, this is the theme throughout the Bible. God has spoken a word. He's given you an identity. He's given you a promise. He's spoken his unconditional love for you. And every other voice out there, literally, every other voice is going to try and tell you otherwise. And try and sway you from that. The voice of the devil, the voice of your logic, your fears... The voice of your circumstances, those are huge voices. The voice of other people, they're going to try and sway you from what God has spoken over you. His love for you, his unconditional love, his promises, his goodness. He's going to speak that to you and those voices are going to try and take you away from that. You see, it's not so much, is Satan, do, what, what's Satan doing? What's the circumstances doing? What are the people saying about you? What's, what's going on? What fears? What failures? What things? What heartbreaks? What issues do you have? It's not about those things. What do you believe about it? God sent 12 spies out to spy out the land, the promised land. Ten of them came back with a terrible report, a report of, this is what I see. God, what were you thinking? There's giants. They're going to tear us apart. Only two came back with, God said we could have it. Giants, who cares? It's ours. He said it. Let's go get it. Guess what? Each person got exactly what they said. Read it to the end of the the story. They all got exactly what they said. It's not the situation itself. What do you believe about the situation? Do you believe God's report or do you believe every other report out there? You see, I'm, I'm convinced. Let me just go ahead and say this. I'm convinced about this. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a good situation or a bad situation. Let that sink in. Think about it now. Oh, I beg to differ. No, there's no such thing 
as a good, they're, they're all neutral. It's how do you look at it? What do you say about it? Because I've seen people in the worst of situations say, praise God, he's Lord, he's got it. God's going to move. There's a breakthrough right around the corner. His promises are there. I'm going to move forward in Christ. He's my everything. You can't get me down. And then there's people that life is so good, the world is literally on the platter being handed to them. And they're sitting there going, well, you just don't know how hard it is. You just don't understand. I've seen people in the best places, in the best situations, sit there and talk about how, how lousy life is and, God, what were you thinking? And that good situation that they're in ain't for very long <laughs> because you get that, that stuff, it makes a difference. How do you look? How do you see? Your eyes are the light of the body. And if it's darkness, how great is that darkness? How do you see things? Are you listening to what God says? Or are you listening to what, I want to say the enemy, but literally every other voice out there is going to try and, and sway you from that. So what's going on? Remember, this, this is something that's so powerful. I want you to get this. Listen to this now. At this point in Peter's life, when Jesus just said this to him, at this point, there's no difference between Peter and between Judas Iscariot. Both of them betrayed the Lord and walked away and went away and wept bitterly. What made the difference? The thing that made the difference was that Peter's faith failed not. That God revealed, his eyes were opened to the unconditional love of God for him. That transcends any of that. I don't care what you've done. You don't understand how, 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 what I've done, how terrible I've been, how used and abused I've been. You don't understand my failures, my weaknesses. That's not what God says about you. Can you open up your mind? Can you open up your heart, your eyes just once? No, I mean permanently. <laughs> to the never-ending unfailing, unconditional, reckless love of God for you. That's the only thing that will transform you. Only when you've taken the boundaries off of the love of God will you see his power operate fully in your life. And Peter was a transformed man once that resurrection power came in his life. And he saw, he saw there, there's, there's no way, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. His love is real and it, it transcends anything that I've ever said or done. It's the only rock that you could stand on. 
that will never fail you, that will never let you down. And it transformed his life. The rest is history. How many miracles did Peter do? He, he led the, I mean, the church that we have today was because of men and women like Peter and Paul whose lives were transformed once they saw, once their eyes were opened up to the love of God, the endless love of God. How does the song go, Stephen? <laughs> and that even today we sing a song that was, uh, I forget it. Generous love, that's it. Generous love. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, generous love. I can never reach the end, or something like that, right? Can never reach the end. That's a revelation that you've got to get inside of you until it transforms your life. That's the only revelation that will transform your life from top to bottom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we lift up this time to you. God, you're everything to us. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. God, we're not going halfway here. We're not going halfway. See, I'm, I'm more interested in knowing what you do when you get to the end of your rope. I'm more interested in, in what you do with your failures, with your weaknesses, with your sins, with the things that you think hold you back. But Jesus paid the price for them. They're covered under his blood. Too many in the church today are letting those things block them, hinder them, hold them back from stepping forward into what God has for them. The, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the inadequacy, the feeling that, that I'm not enough, I can't step into that. God can't use me. That's not the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. See, I preach the love of God to its fullest extent because that's, that's the only thing that could transform you. That's the thing that's transformed me. You want to hear my testimony? That's it right there. The love of God blew me on, until my back was on the ground and I was staring at the ceiling. His love is so amazing. His love is so much further than any issue you might have. Can you get that? Can you let that saturate you? That Jesus wants so much more for you. You see, <laughs> there's things, you know, first off, let me never, never, regret stepping out big for God, dreaming big for God, okay? Never, ever regret that. Step out big for Jesus. There was recently a time when, when the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, you know, because we were going through some things with our ministry, going through this massive reorganization with our school, and, uh, you know, we, we had a church for a long time, like a year and a half, and we sowed a church, 
amen. And, and we just got back from Uganda and financially all of these things were up in our face. And, and uh, the situation was this place where we were just challenged. We were challenged. And, uh, and I was like, Lord, this is a challenging season for me. Everything seems to be shaken and everything seems to be going in a direction of, uh, I, I'm just not sure that we, we did the right thing stepping out here. For those of you who don't know, I quit my job for us to go move to Africa. That's the type of stuff that people are like, well, I would be a Christian, but I'm afraid God's going to tell me to quit my job and move to Africa. Well, we did that. We, <laughs> we did that. We were there for two months, and we get back, and then everything, seems like everything just kind of falls apart. Listen, don't ever question stepping out big and dreaming big for God, okay? And you get to this place where, well, well, God, you know, I, I'm preaching this because it's like, well, I did my part. Where were you? <laughs> God is such a good father. You know, he corrects us so well. You know, there, there's people that have gone through so much less than we have that... Uh, that, fair, that had so much better attitudes than we did. God had to adjust our attitude in the last couple of months. Amen? In fact, God just completely dropped us to our knees, right? Liz, she's going to come up and share uh, in a little bit here. I'm about to hand it off to her, but let me tell you something. God's goodness transcends anything that you could ever imagine, Okay? And, and I want you to ask, ask that question to yourself. Go ahead and ask that question. What happens when I step out and this wonderful thing doesn't happen exactly the way that I expected? Sometimes we step out, we, we're obedient to God, and we just think that, you know, everything's going to go exactly the way I thought that they would. And the heavens are going to part, and the balcony of heaven, the angels are all around, and they're just cheering you on, going, it's going to go exactly the way you thought it would. It's so good. And, and what happens when it doesn't? Hmm? What happens when it doesn't? That's right. He does. What happens when you step out to go preach the gospel and you get put right in jail or something like that? This was happening all throughout the Bible, by the way. And the apostles and the prophets, they embraced it. They loved it. It was not a type of thing where they were, you see, because that's, it's Jesus alone for them. It was not a type of thing where they were like, woe is me. I'm just suffering for the gospel. Poor me. No, they counted it all joy. They were like, bring it. Bring it. I'm going in. You're going to put me in jail? That's all you got? A poor man pays no attention to any threats. Okay? They forsook it all. And they looked at Jesus. They looked at the privilege of suffering the way Jesus suffered. Because they, they knew, here's the thing, they knew about a thing called spiritual commodities in heaven, what's truly valuable. A desperateness for Jesus that says, I forsake all to him. That's so valuable, you don't realize it. You think your house and your boat and your car are valuable. Uh-uh. No. No. The commodities of heaven are much different. 
and there's something that's so valuable that they're like, I've got I've I've to have it. And if this thing, whatever it is, brings me to a place where I have more desperate reliance on Jesus, then bring it on. I'm excited for it. <laughs> it's to where a snake could jump out of the fire and latch onto your hand and you just shake it off. Because you believe that God is that good. Amen.